Hey, Podcast Night! This week's major spoilers podcast goes out to Kevin Hall, Marco Selmo, and William English, who in 1921 pooled $800 to open their own auto parts store, dubbing it Pep Auto Supplies. And today they're better known as Manny, Mo, and Jack, the Pep Boys. And now you know the rest of the podcast that goes out to them, which this is it today. Waha. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm back. And I'm Stephen, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue it was the best of times it was the worst of times it was the age of reason it was the edge of 17 it was the week that was it was a dark and stormy night it was the middle ground between light and shadow and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the corner of first in amistad it is better far to have loved and lost than to have and have not it is the evening of the day it is the winter of our discontent it is the dawn and juliet is the sun it's for the best it's for the birds it is what it is it is the mark of an educated mind it is Balloon. It is the duty of nations as well as men. It is the journey, not the destination. It's a cold and it's a broken hallelujah. It's all Greek to me. It's a wonderful life. It's only a paper moon. It's nothing but a G thing. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. It's on like Donkey Kong. And most of all, it is on the air. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another issue of the Major Spoilers Podcast, issue 374. Matthew's New Year's resolution lasted one week. I don't make New Year's resolutions. Yes, at the beginning of the last uh, two weeks ago show, episode 372, you said in the open, my resolution this year is to make shorter opens. The end. <laughs> this, oh, is, this is shorter uh, than the longest one Oh, yeah, definitely, did. definitely, definitely, definitely. Welcome back, yeah. Rodrigo. Oh, thanks. Matthew, look, Rodrigo's Wait, here. That's that is I, Rodrigo. I thought it was Rod. Yes. People I always get, us, get them confused. Yeah, people get us confused all the time. I just... Uh, the way that uh, you can tell Rob and me apart is that um, one of us. You know what? <laughs> it's, just good. it's just good to be probably back. best to leave yeah, it right we'll there. Leave it at that. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you're back, Rodrigo, because later on in the show we're going to be talking about uh, dark crystal creation myths, mm. and I know that you are a huge, I am a huge fan dark, of crystal dark crystal fan. So we're going to be talking yeah. about that later in the show. But before we you get love to that, dark crystal. Stephen loves dark crystal. That means that all two of us. Wait, <laughs> Matthew loves Crystal Pepsi. Hmm. Uh, let's get to some news. Got uh, three items this Crystal week that uh, looked interesting or somewhat interesting. Star Wars Underworld. It's the live TV series. Underworld. Marvel announces fan service Avengers versus X-Men versus. That's not a re- misprint or a mispronunciation. Versus? Avengers versus X-Men versus. <laughs> your pocketbook Capcom? and the final one is axe yes axe the body spray is going to make a comic book let's spin that wheel of destiny and see where we land this week <laughs> round and round it goes there's star wars oh george lucas passes you there's marvel with a versus x-men versus avengers versus fanboys oh lands right there on axe axe the body spray has come up with this brilliant idea Check this out, Rodrigo. This is a brilliant idea in which they're going to do a comic book, quote unquote, in real time, mm-hmm. 
and they're going to let the fans decide <laughs> how the comic book is. That's what they said on their web on this video that they're running. It's called Axe Anarchy, the graphic novel. It's a uh, comic book that's going to be written in real time with input from fans. So people are going to have to go over to the uh, Axe website, and they're going to ask you questions. Basically, the way I looked at this, because it was down to like the final heroine selection or something like that, and really, mm-hmm. I think you're going to need heroine in order to uh, un- understand and appreciate <laughs> this book. Uh, be nice. Um, but... Uh, it's kind of a choose-your-own-adventure. Who do you? What's going to happen next? Is Billy going to go spray the spray, or is he not going to spray the spray? Those kind of kind of questions. Right. So, <laughs> in my mind, I think they already have the whole story plotted out. They're just letting fans choose mm-hmm. the adventure. But Axe getting into the comic book market. Rodrigo, thoughts? Um, we've seen certainly we've seen um, other private companies that don't normally do comics get into comics but usually it's about uh delicious spongy cakes at the end of your normal (laughs) comics um thor fighting hillbillies i think that i'm just mildly skeeved out by it because of axe's uh usual campaigns yes involve spray it on and spraying stuff and then women you know yeah crawling all over you if you watch the video for axe anarchy they have awesome gems that the uh guys are suggesting like the hot asian chick should do this now and um those two should totally make out yeah and things like that so I don't know. It doesn't really seem like the uh, the audience is going to have that much control over things. And when they do, it'll just mostly be a decision as to which character is making out with which other character. Thankfully, they've sprayed it on first. The, uh, the thing that cracks me up, though, Matthew, is this comment about the first comic done in real time. Man, I remember that was no, like an not. old Simpsons gag uh, about... Uh, Back in the day when they used to do animation live, and oh man, right. the artist's wrist went killing them. Uh, this is well. First of all, this is not a comic. This uh, the the way that I understand it, and I'm not entirely sure how this 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 real time thing is going to work. Are they not going to be like all online video type stuff? I I don't think like it's a video. It's, it's an actual it's an actual um, book that's going to be published. Okay. Now. The video that they do show actually has a lot of really good depth 3d mm-hmm. animation to it for that motion comic okay but uh yeah well it's, see that's and, what i thought we were going to see in the book was the whole you know the the 3d animation motion comic thing which is not a comic and no it's a tv really show animation. well the the hilarious thing about the whole real time thing is that you know the the stuff they show there is is well put together colored mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. inked so it's mm-hmm. like i i just keep picturing them like Showing you a video of a guy drawing a comic and playing the the same awesome <laughs> guitar music that they're playing, <laughs> right? And the guy's like penciling this sexy girl, mm-hmm. and he's shading, and he's finishing it up. <laughs> Passes it to the inker. The inker starts going, goes back to the artist. Is like, uh, what is this? Uh, what is this part? Is like, oh no, that's the shadow. And I'm like, oh, okay, all right. And like six hours later, you finally get yeah. to the colorist yeah (laughs) comics can't be done in real time because comics are generally a collaboration of at least two people sometimes as much as 20 people so you know i'll I'll be interested to see it i think that in the long run it's going to be probably the equivalent of the kool-aid man comics from when i was in high school or well is i I actually have the 
let me stand behind Axe for just a moment. Is this such a bad thing? <laughs> comic books are Always a popular stand medium. The <laughs> yeah, it's not in front of it. Yeah. Uh, you know, comic books are a popular medium. There's so many people out there, and I don't know this. Depending on your point of view, this could be a slap in the face to a lot of people because it's like, well, let's pander the nerds who really want sexy ladies and sell our Axe product, but. Mm. Uh, from a couple of weeks ago, we were talking on one of our shows about um, the driver, uh, um, that BMW series with right, Clive right, Owen in yeah. it, the drive. Um, that was just a big commercial for BMW, mm-hmm. and that's all it was. Yeah. And nobody complained about that. Uh, as you said, no one has uh, chastised Hostess or the the Kool Aid Man for well, what they've know, done in the past. I mean, the 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 long proud tradition of Transformers of being an awesome cartoon yeah. to sell toys and which leads us to the modern transformers films where they literally sign a contract saying aside from optimus prime being a truck all other cars have to be what gmc Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. yeah ford whatever yeah yeah i don't remember which one it was we're going to create a character to showcase the volt exactly Mm -hmm. yeah and we're going to call that character volt Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah so, I mean, is well, this really a bad thing for Axe to do this? No. Or does it just seem that it's... This is a good it's... thing. Okay. Because Have what it really some means Some of the people is... that read comic books, they <laughs> need Axe spray. Well, no. It, it, what it really does is it, 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 it makes comics just another medium for advertising, for, for translating your mission. Your message. Mission message. Translating your message to people through comics should be no different than a television commercial or a little thing before the movies, which, by the way, I hate it when they have the little thing before the movies. It's a just trailer? another medium to tell your story, to to get your message across. And, you know, it's got a gimmick to it. There's no such thing as a real-time comic. But that doesn't change the fact that, yeah, it's kind of a cool idea. I don't think it's going to be you know, the single most successful comic book in the history of the universe, but it's not really meant to be. It's meant to be something where people who like comic books and Axe Body Spray can go, hey, look, it's a comic book about Axe Body Spray. Ha ha. And the people who really want to have that kind of input can go, yeah, make the hot Asian one kiss the other girl or whatever it is that happens, you know. Right. I, I, I honestly don't know because I'm allergic to Axe Body Spray. And Well, if nothing else, even normal, if this so. thing crashes and burns halfway through the project. I think Axe has achieved its goal in that mm-hmm. look at all the free advertising they got for uh, less than $5,000. You want to you want to yeah. hear a a story about Axe body spray real quick? Does it involve women ripping your clothes off and going hmm only only after all the ferret in oh, your okay. hair? Um this is, that's what happens after this story. So I was at oh, the okay. store and I think I bought rice and some pomegranate juice, and I think, like, some tortillas and some cheese. <laughs> and the coupon that came out was a coupon for Axe Body Spray, and I'm like, what, they have installed the smell sensors in the, in the coupon machines now? Because what I bought has nothing to do know, with, with this, Axe. so it must have yeah. been this thing that was like, oh, yes, you need this. <laughs> Maybe it took into so account did you buy the fact some that your food all together. Well, that was after I was already done shopping. Oh, okay. So, well, you go back and shop more than once I, in your life. I, I guess so. Yeah, I okay. have. This was the latest time I have. Gone. Oh, so back so in I December. Have, I have my coupon. Yes, back in back in November. Because <laughs> um, I just buy like a giant bag of rice, and that's what I eat for the next six months. Rice and pinto beans. Mm. Yep. All right. Mm. So there's uh, there are our thoughts and reactions to the uh, Axe graphic novel coming your way. Look for it, Axe Anarchy. I think they've got a Facebook page. Later.
Uh, also, head over to the Major Spoilers website. I, let me tell you guys about this. This is something that's going on for the next 30 There's days exclusively website? on the Majorspoilers.com website. So uh, we have had Mark Finn and Matt Sturgis on the show in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark Finn, we, we had him on to talk about uh, Robert E. Howard. Matthew Sturgis has been on a couple of times talking about the work that he's doing in uh, at, for DC. Both times I've questioned the men about Clockwork Storybook. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the original Clockwork Storybook, there were four people, Bill Willingham, Matthew Sturgis, Chris Roberson, and uh, Mark Finn. Okay. If you read comic books, especially comics from DC, at least three of those four names should sound very familiar. Bill Willingham on Fables, Matt Sturgis, who's done House of Mystery or yeah, House of Mystery and Fables and some other things. Chris Roberson, who did uh, Superman, uh, Cross America or whatever it was, the iZombie. He writes that. He's writing the new Mortal, I think is what it is, for IDW, a bunch of other stuff. Oh, I think he, uh, Chris Roberson's also writing, Matthew, the Star Trek Legion of Superheroes crossover for IDW. My so those right. names should be really familiar. Well, New Year's Eve, I don't know how Roberson started this on Twitter, said something about Clockwork Storybook, and I had mentioned, oh, you know, I've got that complete archive. I've downloaded them all before your website went defunct and all that stuff. The four of those guys used to write an online uh, shared universe anthology series, mm-hmm. and they did it for years from like 99 through about 2008, something like that, on and off, uh, really from 99 to about 2005. And it was wonderful. Great reading. Great uh, fantasy. You'd love the stuff, Rodrigo. Mm-hmm. Um, if you read Willingham's uh, Fables Now, a lot of the stuff that was in Clockwork Storybook in the Sansibola um, city some of that stuff you can see transition into some of their other works. And so uh, Roberson made some comment about, I wish there was an archive of this. I said, well, if you guys want me to, I'll post all the stuff that I have. And Roberson started talking with Willingham and Sturgis and everybody else. And, you know, eventually there were like 10 writers involved in Clockwork Storybook. And they were like, well, wait a minute. Um, We might want to republish some of that stuff. Send it all to us. And then another couple of days pass, and then Bill Willingham contacts me directly and says, hey, we're going to start this 30-day writing challenge. And back in the day, they used to push themselves to see how much they could write in 30 days. They would try to do a whole novel in 30 days. And this was before the national write-a-novel. NaNoWriMo. Yeah, NaNoWriMo, whatever it is. (laughs) NaNoWriMo. He was the leader of a Super Sentai team back in the 80s, I believe. (laughs) (laughs) NaNoWriMo. Big one. And they said, well, we're bringing this back. We're getting the whole gang back together. Uh, we're going to write novels in in a month, and we want Major Spoilers to have the exclusive on this. Nice. So right now, I know if you go up to the Major Spoilers website and you click on that Clockwork Storybook icon for the 30-day challenge, and you look at that, it looks like Mark Finn is the only one writing stuff. Uh-huh. But everybody, there's a bunch of stuff that we can't publish that's behind-the-scenes stuff, because ideally, these guys are going to actually publish this stuff. Mm-hmm. Over the next 30 days, you're going to see excerpts, you're going to see more interviews, you're going to see... Um, you know, some name calling and some smack talk that's going on behind all these writers. Uh, this is kind of a cool thing because you've got some big names. Uh, Mark and Draco. Matthew, does that name uh, ring a bell to you? I think that's how you say his name. Mark, and wasn't he one of the Slytherins? <laughs> yes, that's it. He's one of the oh, Slytherins. Oh, Mark, Mark and Draco from uh, Manhunter. Yes. Yeah, I know this, this contest has Mark and Draco, Mark Finn, Dave Justice... Uh, who's done uh, House of Mystery and uh, some stuff I, I for... I love his league. Daryl Gregory, uh, Matthew Sturgis, as I mentioned, Bill Williams, uh, Sean E. Williams, and Bill Willingham. Those are the ones that are doing this 
uh, right now. So what is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eighty percent of the original TikTok storybook people are doing this right now, and it's going up on the website now. Chris Roberson's not taking part in this. Uh, he and I have had a conversation. We might get him on the show in the near future. Definitely going to have some interviews with him and some other things. Keep checking this out. This is really fascinating to see how is a novel being played out. Now, Mark Finn has been posting chapters for his book called um, One in a Million. It's the third book in a uh, Condorks trilogy, which are some characters from the Clockwork Storybook universe. Great reading. These are happening just about every day. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be something every day on the Major Spoilers website. I really encourage you guys to check this stuff out. And here's the thing. Willingham, Sturgis, Roberson, Finn, and Draco, uh, Justice, all these guys are checking out the comments section, waiting for you guys to ask questions in their comment posts. So use it. You can ask Bill Willingham anything, and he'll probably give you a, a definite answer. Mm -hmm. So take this opportunity <laughs> Maybe, over probably. the next 30 days. Well, uh, I mean, obviously, if you're going to ask some weird, yeah, weird question, he probably won't respond, although he might. These guys are pretty good at the uh, jabs and barbs at one another. Uh, check it out. I think this is fascinating. I feel honored that Major Spoilers gets to be the kind of uh, I'll tell clearinghouse you. for this. This the is kind of like it. almost a dream for me because, you know, when it got into shared fantasy worlds and really what is the basis for me of understanding how Dungeons and Dragons really work before mm -hmm. World of Warcraft uh, Clockwork Storybook is is what it's all about. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I just got an email today that we can start sharing portions of the old Clockwork Storybook tales. So you're going to see some of the archives appear. It's going to be wonderful. I am super excited about this. I hope you guys are too. Head over to Majorspoilers.com. There on the right side, you'll see the Clockwork Storybook 30-day uh, event. Click on it. You'll see all the archive material for Clockwork Storybook. I hope you guys uh, enjoy that. Um, uh, Rodrigo, do you remember that time that Lois Lane... Turned into a black woman, a proud black woman. Uh, oh, wait, the time she turned into a proud black woman? No, I don't remember that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, our good friend Matthew here, uh -huh. not to be confused with uh -huh. Matthew Sturgis, but Matthew Peterson has a retro review hey. this past week. Retro uh, review. <laughs> that looks at uh, Superman's girlfriend, uh, Lois Lane. Lois Lane, number 106 where she magically transforms into a black woman and experiences things from the other side. Oh, it's not magic. The, uh... It's Kryptonian science. <laughs> science! <laughs> it's magic. So go over to Major Spoilers, check that out under Retro Reviews. Um, oh, top five. Everybody loved uh, when Rodrigo did his top ten cartoon uh, opens. Intros, yeah. yeah. Well, we... Uh, Grab that. We stole it for top mm -hmm. five while you were on vacation. So out right no. now, the top five cartoon theme songs. You can find that over at iTunes or there on the Major Spoilers website. And of course, if you are looking to support Critical Hit, and that season's rapidly coming to a close, if you haven't heard Critical Hit, Critical Hit t-shirt's yeah. still available, going out weekly. If you haven't gotten yours, keep checking the mail. Ask your postman. We've got everything out to date. Maybe one or two that came in today. Say, please, hey, please, wait a minute, Mr. Postman. And make sure if you've got a question about your T-shirt orders that you contact me directly mm -hmm. and don't just randomly throw up a complaint with PayPal. My product never arrived. Well, you only ordered it three weeks ago. It says allow four to six weeks for delivery. Mm -hmm. So Come please on, check people. with us. Please check with us because more than likely it is out and on the way to you right now. But critical hit, critical hit T-shirts. Official logo. We got some more great stuff. I was doing some stuff over the holiday break, Rodrigo, while you were away in mm -hmm. Ohio. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. It's Oh, yeah. I can't let anybody know, you, but... You don't even know. People don't even know. The, people's minds are going to be blown, especially when they find out who we're working with on this. Oh, yeah. Or at least my mind was blown when this person contacted us. So. Mm -hmm. 
is it, all is right it, anything it, else it's batman yes batman is working with us okay uh, <laughs> if there is nothing else there are more stories over at majorspoilers.com thank you everybody for your support when we come back it will be time for reviews reviews how to get a major spoilers shout out if you want to get a personalized shout out at the top of the show all you have to do is the following steps number one visit majorspoilers.com two click on the make a donation button Three, donate $10 or more to the cause. Four, sit back and relax and hear Matthew butcher your name and say something cute about you. Major spoilers, bringing the good stuff since 20-06. Thank you, everyone, who's donated to the cause. We really appreciate this. This is the kind of stuff that helps us stay afloat. We put out, what, over over 100 hours of original content per year for you guys. That's more than any cable channel does. That's more than, I don't know, who else doesn't puts out more than 100 mm. original content hours mm. a year. It's and we're doing it because we Kirk. enjoy doing it. And if this is something that was worth your time, even though that Kirkman debacle is still uh, still pretty ripe in many people's noses, um, throw us, a, know, throw us we a couple bucks. If we were Doctor Who, we would not have reached this until the third Doctor's era. You realize yeah, that? Yeah, look at that. Nice. And we're right now only on our second Rodrigo right now. That's right. <laughs> I haven't I'm, even regenerated. Actually, yet. you've been the first. You've been the first Rodrigo. This Matthew is the second. Second Brian. Yes. Yes. But if this uh, show's been worth your time, throw us a couple bucks. We really appreciate it. Somebody just said, "Hey, I don't want to attach my bank account to my PayPal, so here's a flat, flat amount of money. Enjoy it." And it was, you know, a little bit more than what it would cost to contribute $2 a month for a year. So nice, nice. we thank those people who are doing that. All right. We're just super excited this week to have Rodrigo back. I'm jazzed on soda this week for some reason. Let's get to some reviews. Mm. Woo. Matthew's on cold medicine. <coughs> oh, Matthew, or let's see. Uh, Rodrigo, you've been gone a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. How was the Rodrigo. vacation in Ohio? Give us a vacation review. Um, well, I have... Uh, uh, a nephew who is five years old and a nephew who is three years oh, old. Oh, God, I'm sorry. So that is basically what most of my vacation involved <laughs> was, uh, interacting with two tiny chillins. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of like having Rob and Brian around. <laughs> uh, a little bit, except that... Uh, probably superior communication <laughs> except, skills. Except that these two kids I'm not allowed to hit, whereas Brian and Rob I just wail on. <laughs> True. Um, and when Rob wets his pants, you know, you just have yeah. him change himself. Right. Whereas with a three-year-old, you know. Right. Um, I got to experience uh, some extra, some, uh, like, pop culture stuff that I wouldn't have normally. For example, um, they're way into this show called Pocoyo. Pocoyo, yo, 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 yo. Yeah. Yo, 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 yo. No, just oh, one yeah. yo. What's oh, a Pocoyo? Okay. A Pocoyo is, uh, it's a show, and it's a South American show, but it's been translated into English as well, um, and, and it stars it stars a little, I think, three-year-old kid named Pocoyo, and he hangs out with a duck and an elephant, and they live in a blank world where all, sometimes there is stuff for them to interact with, but mostly it's just blank. Um, it's pretty cool. So it's cool. like an, an alien holding tank? Kind of, yeah. It's like a. It, it looks like a uh, sensory deprivation, like wall kind of thing. Um, <laughs> and the aliens but, you know, are they torturing have, him and giving him have, an elephant. They have colorful blocks to play with and stuff. But the thing that I really like is, uh, you know, one of Pocoyo's friends is this duck, and Pocoyo does crazy things. Like he will spin on his head a lot, 
and the elephant um does you know like is this a sprout network like show no i like i it I, sounds I mean, like it, a i don't know if it airs show. on sprout or not but the duck is extremely malleable like on regular occasions so he's, to communicate. he's a rubber duck sort of um they will like first off if he's ever upset about something his beak goes to the other side of his head like it's out in front and then like it'll just like spin to the back and regularly they like grab him and they're like Oh, what's an airplane like? So the elephant will just grab him and like spin his beak like it's a propeller and like stick out his legs and like have him like fly around like a plane. It's like it's really weird and I really like it because it's like this duck is just like a tube with a beak and two legs and some eyeballs. He looks like what I was that duck animation show? Duckman. Yes, Duckman. He, he does. Looks he like is kind of reminiscent of Duckman. I am on the Poco Yo website and the first thing that you can click on is what is Poco Yo? <laughs> which which makes sense because it is it's difficult to explain. My parents tried to explain to me what Pocoyo was before and I was like, mm-hmm. "What?" But it's fun yeah. and the English version, the narrator who's the person that speaks the most mm-hmm. is voiced by Stephen Fry. Ah. So there's nice. some pedigree right there. And um, you know, in in English the name is actually Small Yo. Right. Little which bit is nice. Yo. A little bit me. So that's how you spent your vacation? How I spent um, my Christmas vacation with Poco Yo. Yeah, there was some of that. We watched some Ben 10 Alien 4s. Oh, we watched, awesome. um, what else? Uh, Space Jam, the youngest, loves, loves oh, Space Jam so much. He is, he thinks that movie is super great. I, I was actually there for his birthday and he had a basketball themed birthday. Because he likes Space oh, Jam cool. so much. Yeah, so did you was... get to play uh, Michael Jordan since you were the tallest one? Um, yeah, I taught him how to dunk like Michael Jordan, which is to... Well, first we had to like lower the uh, basketball hoop. <laughs> and then I taught him to like stick out his arms, stick out his tongue, and then like <laughs> spread his legs out while he's jumping. <laughs> and did you all sing the uh, Seal song as, uh, as the birthday song? Uh, no. But anytime that you sort of <clears throat> reference any song that's in Space Jam, he gets really excited. Oh, okay. So, I mean, and that's like, there's like Steve Miller songs yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in Space Jam, you know? <laughs> so it's like, any random song will excite him, because Space Jam actually has a really random soundtrack. That sounds fascinating, mm-hmm. Rodrigo. It was it was crazy times. <laughs> Three weeks of that. Yep. I, you know, I, you've got a great relationship with your family, I can tell, because your Facebook was all lit up yeah. with pictures. Mm-hmm. I probably couldn't deal with that <laughs> for three weeks with my family. Uh, my my nephews are really, really hilarious. The The little tiny one is getting to that age where he's, like, really contrary, mm. but he's not really good at it. So <laughs> well, I'll be like, hey, what, do you want some apple juice or some grape juice? And he'll be like, no. Like, so you don't want either one? Okay, I'll, I'll put them away. And he's like, no, I want juice. <laughs> it's better than, than my son. It's like, do you want apple juice or do you want grape juice? Do you want apple juice or do you want grape juice? Hey, you want apple juice or grape juice? I said grape juice. <laughs> no, <laughs> my, my nephew, because they repeat stuff that their mom tells them, so... She, a lot of the time, they they misbehave, and she goes, what did I tell you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, after she's yeah. told him something. But so he does that to me, and he's never told me anything. <laughs> like, I'll walk up and turn on a light, and he'll he's supposed to be asleep, and he just, like, appears at the edge of his room, and he's like, what did I tell you? 
I can I, just see this. You're I, laying there quietly, and then all of a sudden the light flicks on. You open your eyes, and your kid, your nephew's like right in front of your face. What did I tell what you? What did I tell Rodrigo? you? I don't know, Tiny Specter. <laughs> what did you tell me? All right. Well, that sounds. It sounds like you had a really great time. Yeah, it was but, fun. That how many like, slices how many of slice meatloaf would, you give, would you give this? <laughs> um, I would definitely give this vacation four slices of meatloaf. And the reason why I would only give it four instead of five is because I tried and tried and tried and tried to coordinate the whole family to go see the Muppets. Oh, And we couldn't just couldn't do it. do it. Yeah. It's okay. You didn't miss anything. You didn't like it that much? <sighs> it was okay, but it had too much of the, the new Muppet. Not oh, enough of the yeah. old Muppets. And you get that in, in the newer same Muppet way, Same way whenever like the Muppets like went to Manhattan and we had to deal with those damn rats. Right. And the same way when the prawn it's, guy it's started like showing that, yeah, up. Yeah, it's like that every movie pretty yeah. much. It, so, oh, don't you mock Pepe. Some people love it. Yeah, I just thought it was what? good. Why What you should go see, though, is Tintin. That is an That's awesome movie. That's what I hear. Movie. That is an awesome movie. I want to know also, Rodrigo, about Dark Ascension. There were some uh, magic uh, stuffs that came out over the break while you were gone. Right. Dark Ascension is the next set in the Innistrad block. You know, we talked about Innistrad. That's the one that has like the cards that oh, yeah, are yeah. a card on both yeah, sides. Yeah. Yep. Um, there's going to be some new double faced cards in this one. Yay. Um, yeah, not crazy about those. Um, they also have an, uh, a, a new mechanic called Undying. Um, which is, uh, if my mechanic you, is called Steve, if you're, uh, <laughs> if you're familiar with, uh, persist, it's like persist, except instead of putting a minus one, minus one counter on your creature, what's a plus one, plus one counter on your creature when it dies. So basically what it does is here's a monster and the monster goes rah, and then you're like, Oh no, a monster and you kill it. And then the monster comes back and it's bigger because it gets a plus one, plus no, one counter cool. on it after it dies. So it actually means that after a creature dies, it comes back bigger, um, which is cool. Uh, the other one is a, is a general rules te- term called fateful hour, which means when your health or when your life drops to five or less, uh, things get powered up. Mm-hmm. So um, for one, they have this guy uh, who has this power. And as long as you have five or less life, uh, other creatures you control get plus two plus two. So it actually powers up all your creatures you know it's like when your life gets past a certain point your creatures actually get more powerful yeah another thing in dark ascension is uh was it oh crap i forgot the name reckless looting oh yeah yeah Faithless that's the looting. that's the one that's uh tied to that uh variant card from idw right it's a it's a um red it's power a, it's a red card uh with flashback that mm-hmm. allows you to uh cycle through your deck a little faster um first previewed on major spoilers woohoo exclusive that's right. So, uh, yeah, we're moving up in the world is what I'm getting at. Uh, Dark Ascension looks interesting. They've cut down the number of double face cards. And perhaps the, the craziest announcement is that the third set, um, which I believe is called Avacyn Restored or something like that, is not going to have any double faced cards. So there's been some talking around the internet as to why that is. And Watsy has a, uh, a reason that they're giving as to why that is. But some of us think that there might be a different reason. Okay. And we'll probably talk about that later yep. as that, as that release gets closer. Yep. Definitely. Okay. So there's some news from Rodrigo that we haven't heard in a couple of weeks. We've got a review of a vacation that sounds like a wonderful time. Mm-hmm. I'm watching this Poco Yo on YouTube right now. It's creepy, isn't it? Uh, I don't. I can't hear the audio, of course, so I don't know how great Stephen Fry is. But I love the rendering 
The um, animation, I mean, the uh, actions by the characters, yeah. insane. Yeah. That, like, whenever Only Pocoyo, Steven can like, watch a cartoon and go, wow, that polygon rate is fascinating. I, I do well, sit there and no, look at I, that stuff. And I do, too. And that's actually a big part of what each character has, like, a different frame rate. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. Pocoyo's frame rate it's is very really... Smooth. yeah. And, and snappy. Mm-hmm. And like, the duck snaps a lot more. Mm-hmm. And, like, the elephant has a really long... It, it's, I don't know. There's just this something about a, the animation. The one that I just finished watching, which was about seven minutes too long, did not feature the elephant or the puppy dog. So right. I just saw the duck and the boy. So I'm giving it, tentatively, without hearing the narration, I'm giving it uh, two and a half slices of meatloaf. Yeah, it's, so it's a pretty solid for, solid for a kid's show. And it is a little kid's show. It definitely, I can tell it, it definitely is. This is not something the oldest boy would watch, but right. the youngest boy who right now just loves Mickey Mouse mm-hmm. Funhouse or whatever it is, would Love be all house. over this. Let's talk Let's about some comic books. the triangle bush. <laughs> You've been watching my porn collection. <laughs> hey man, you can't make this stuff up. Let's talk about some comic books this week from, or last week from Jeez, Dynamite man. Entertainment. Oh. The Lone Ranger number one. Now, we've had it, we did have a really great uh, run of Lone Ranger from uh, Dynamite Entertainment before. This is a brand new series written by Andy Parks and uh, 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 art by Esteve Poles, I guess is his name. Uh, this is kind of an interesting story because it takes place in the Oklahoma Territory. Uh, some bandits, some looters are coming to this guy's house to get all of his money. And in the process, uh, the guy's, the farmer's wife gets killed. And he's all distraught over this. He doesn't know what's going to happen. Uh, the Lone Ranger has heard about this and is coming from uh, Kansas uh, to the Oklahoma Territory to take care of this. And there's a great opening piece. Uh, I, I, oh boy, we're really running out of time. But Oklahoma Territory, 1870. Uh, settlers told themselves that they came out west for all manner of reasons, land, opportunity, freedom. They told their wives or families all those things were waiting out here, out here past the western edge of civilization. But perhaps if they told themselves the truth, they might admit that they all came seeking the same thing, a chance to face this vast, untamed wilderness that is America, a chance to succeed here on their own terms. And then it goes on and on and on and find out that this was uh, great because it was an editorial from the Lincoln County News, Lincoln, Kansas of 1882. I thought that was kind of a nice little tie into here. Uh, but the Lone Ranger comes and gets uh, gets to this farmer's house just as the bandits have come back, and they're burning the guy's house down. And, of course, the Lone Ranger does his thing, bang, bang, pow, pow, uh, captures all the bad guys, doesn't kill any of them. Uh, the farmer, this is really the story of the farmer who is so distraught over losing his wife, doesn't know how he's going to continue. He's about ready to blow his brains out. Uh, when the Lone Ranger shows up and the Lone Ranger just basically says, hey, you know what? You're going to survive because you have to. You have to be strong. And we get a flashback to when um, John's uh, mother died and how his father and his brother and he had to be strong after she passed. And basically he uh, helps the farmer out, gives him a bunch of silver, says this should last you the year. When we get back to Wichita, I'm going to send uh, supplies so that you can rebuild your farm uh, from the ground up. It's a it's a great little story, and it ends with a great high o silver, and off into the sunset goes the Lone Ranger. It's a great book. I didn't I didn't think that, uh, especially with that Death of the Zorro piece that had the Lone Ranger crossover in it. I didn't think Dynamite was going to be able to come back with another great tale. This is a great first issue, uh, first arc of Hard Country. Um, I love the art, love the story, which was really good, very emotional. And uh, it, it's great. It's a six-part tale. I don't know if this is going to be an ongoing from uh, IDW or a six-issue one-shot, but uh, 
four slices of meatloaf out of this one. Really, really love the Lone Ranger Hard Hard Country. Go check it out. It came out last week. It's probably still available. Probably there on uh, one of those digital apps. So check it out. Cool. Matthew, over to you. I want to know about another book. Boy, we're not even reviewing any DC stuff this week. No Marvel stuff this week. Oh, no Marvel stuff either. People's heads yeah, are going to spin. You've got something stuff. from Image Comics this week. Oh, my head is spinning like Image a Comics. Oh, well, technically, uh, Rodrigo's Vacation was, in fact, sponsored by Marvel. <laughs> so that's cool. Uh, Mudman number two by Paul Grist. I actually picked up Mudman number one on a whim. Yeah. And liked it so much, I immediately ran home and wrote uh, a review for Five the website. Five-star review, if I remember. Yeah, and it was a really, really strong outing. But it was a really, really strong outing in kind of a retro way, the good kind of retro. Yeah. Basically, last issue, a young kid shows up, and he's a young kid, and he's like, I sure am a young kid, and all sorts of things happen. He and his best friend end up in a house. He puts on a superhero suit that he finds hanging out somewhere, trying to escape, and ends up getting shot in the chest and falling down at the end. And the ending was really the only part of it that I questioned because it kind of came out of left field. Mm-hmm. There was a little bit about a mysterious house, but the ending was like, Ooh. well, this issue, issue number two of Mudman, takes place simultaneously to last issue from the perspective of the man who shot him. It turns out oh. that the he's actually a criminal. He and his friend uh, basically knocked over a bullion truck or something, and they are hiding in the little town of Burnbridge-on-Sea, which is where the boy who becomes Mudman lives. The first thing that I love about this issue is the two characters have very specific dialects. One is kind of a, a Christopher Eccleston up north kind of accent. Right. And the other one is vaguely Russian. You are not the boss of me. And you can clearly hear these voices arguing back and forth. And I, I hear Nico Bellic and um, Christopher Eccleston's ninth doctor arguing in my head. Throughout this whole thing, the two criminals end up finding a place to stay. They're hiding out. They're trying to uh, make sure that nobody finds them with their money. And about halfway through the issue, we see the boy whose name escapes me right off the top of my head running away, as it happened last issue. When he came and uh, got into the uh, mysterious house on the edge of town that they were renting. But this takes it back to the perspective. We see these criminals. They capture a cop. The cop turns out to be Mudman's father. This we saw also last last issue. Mm-hmm. Detective Constable Tom Craig of Somerset Constabulary. There is really not much of the hero in the book. Now, this is issue two. I don't know a whole lot about the hero. But it's really interesting that about page 15, we meet up with page 15 of issue one, where Vinny... Sneaks into a back room, finds the weirdly lit room with a superhero costume in it, shoots Mudman in the chest. And then the story continues as being made of mud, as a Mudman would be. This kid instinctively starts using his powers to take down the two criminals. It's very old school. It kind of reminds me of a, of a mid-70s Bronze Age Marvel book. At the end, the hero gets the gold and takes off and they chase him across the mud flats and they get hooked up in the mud and get arrested and Mudman escapes at the last moment. Um, the guy who draws this is the same gentleman who drew Jack Staff, which is another image book. Yeah, I thought it looked that, familiar. Yeah, it fell on and off my radar. I believe his name is Paul Grist, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. 
And oh my word, this is such a pretty, pretty book. I mean, seriously. And it's it's the kind of book that you love to see because the writer and the artist are the same guy. So he has this idea. He immediately puts it on the page. There's a two-page, a fascinating two-page bit in the end about the evolution of the logo. Talking about the logo on the books and how he hates the fact that now all the logos on comics just look like somebody's been playing with type on a computer screen. And he points out, yes, I have seen the new 52. But it has a letters page, for one thing. It has a mysterious girl in it. Something weird is going on. The hero has powers. He's a kind of a Peter Parker schmucky little guy. It's fun. This is another five slice of meatloaf for me. Simply because it's beautiful. It's simple. It takes, you know, it plays with superhero tropes in a loving way. It doesn't necessarily shoot them in the foot. It's covering different ground. It's not necessarily, you know, completely fresh and a, and a revamp of everything you've ever seen, and it's not like anything you've seen before. But it's a new take on things that I love, and I really enjoy the color palette. That two-tone brown of the main character just really pops. He uses a lot of grays and a lot of blues, you know. It's not quite black and white. It's not monochrome in most places, but that costume just really pops out. And... The saving grace, if you look at the cover, right next to the logo is a little picture of the hero going, ha, ah, I'm a hero. <laughs> you remember when comics used to have up in the lower, the upper yeah. right-hand corner, yeah, the there faces. was always the picture of the hero, yeah. ah, or the guy, you know, Spider-Man leaping out going, ah, I'm Spider-Man. I missed that. Five slices of meatloaf. Excellent. Excellent, excellent, book. excellent. Well, one of the things that I said we were going to do in 2012 was we were going to start bringing in some of the other major spoilers staff writers to give us their thoughts. And this week in the hot seat, we've got Zach Wolf. Thanks, guys. This week, I am taking a look at Robert Kirkman's Super Dinosaur number 7. I picked this book up after hearing and reading our very own Rob speak so highly of it last week, and I'm really glad I did. This issue picks right up into the action with Super Dinosaur and Derek getting in some training on their virtual simulator. And from there, it does this really nice back and forth between a race that Aaron and Derek get into and the plans that the Sharkman and Triceratops are making for their future. From there, we're given a quick page that makes it seem that Dr. Max Maximus could possibly have a clone, but after I took the time and flipped through the book to look at the different art between the two, to me, it seems like it's more likely a twin than a clone. I really had no background information going into this book, so I didn't quite know what all the plot lines were of, of Derek and his dad and his mom uh, being missing. But uh, I found this book to be a really lighthearted read, and it was definitely some building blocks being laid for big action sequences and different hooks coming uh, forth in the next few issues. Jason Howard does the art for Super Dinosaur, and I just think it's wonderful. His lines are really smooth, his layouts are great, his splash pages were well used and added to the story. I just think the tone that he goes for really adds to the lighthearted feel of the story and just boosts it up to another level. I had a lot of fun reading my first issue of Super Dinosaur, so I am now going through Comixology and my local comic book store to find the first six issues so I can be completely caught up with this series. I am going to give Super Dinosaur number 74 out of five slices of meatloaf today. I'm Zach Wolf, and we'll be back with more soon. Be sure to head over to Majorspoilers.com to read the rest of my reviews and so much more. 
Thank you so much, Zach. And if you would like to follow Zach on Twitter, you can follow him at ZWolf. That's his yeah. Twitter handle, ZWolf. And it should be noted that Zach, Zach has recently been crowned United States Heavyweight Champion. There we go. Okay, the reviews are done. Oh, wait, that's Zach. That means that it is time for the major spoilers. Hey, Rodrigo. What's up? Hey, Rodrigo. What? We missed you, man. You know, uh, 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 there are a couple well, of jokes that should have It's never, time never happened. <laughs> for the major spoilers poll of the week. There you Gross. go. It's time. Man, you're delayed. My so shtick. <laughs> My shtick. For the major spoilers poll of the week, 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 week. Love, 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 love me some Phineas <gasps> and Ferb. Oh, that's another one. I got a chance to watch a couple episodes of Phineas and Ferb. Uh, you've watched that show, or is this the first time you watched it? I've seen random chunks of episodes here and there. Mostly when you're when, when I'm your children <laughs> are sitting there watching it when I come to record things. 104 days mm-hmm. of summer vacation. Uh, two brothers, two stepbrothers, cool. actually. Uh, Phineas Flynn and Ferb Fletcher have amazing adventures with their friends all summer long. They've got a little platypus pet who's actually a secret agent. Mm-hmm. There's Dr. Doofenshmirtz. And no one the, can make that noise. I don't know how. You know, he, uh, uh, D. Bradley Baker, I think that's who it is. D. Bradley Baker. Yeah, D. Bradley Baker. He's paid a crap ton of money to do, do that. Noise. Um, the thing is, I was watching that uh, Phineas and Ferb across the second two and a half dimension or whatever that second was. Second dimension. Yeah, second dimension movie. And... The climax of the movie was very disappointing to me because normally whenever we see Phineas and Ferb, they're working together to complete a goal and have fun and do whatever. The climax of that movie was all Phineas. Mm-hmm. But it got me thinking, who's the real genius? And I don't mean uh, Val Kilmer floating in a chair with attached to weather balloons or a house full of popcorn. I'm talking about who's the real brains of the two. Let's pit Last brother level. against brother. And see what happens this Mono week in our poll e of the Manu. week. Battle of the Brains, Rodrigo. Um, I think that they, they really complement each other very well. They very you know, well do. You, you've got your A-type and you're not at all an A-type. Mm-hmm. Well, although, you know, he takes care of business when, when he needs to. I think that, um, mm. you know, as far as who's smarter, it is difficult to tell. I think uh, I'll probably actually go with Phineas just because he seems to be the idea man. Mm. Um, even though a lot of the technical expertise seems to come from Ferb. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Matthew, you got some thoughts on this, I'm sure. Yeah, and Phineas and Ferb are actually kind of an archetypical duo. You you see their type. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Jordy LaForge and Data are kind of that same sort of type. Yeah, sure they are. You know, to some degree, Batman and Dick Grayson mm-hmm. are kind of that same sort of type. You have the guy who is really, really, really good at people stuff, who goes, hey, why don't we build us a rocket or fight a mummy or climb up the Eiffel Tower? Yeah. And then you have the other guy who's actually the brains of the outfit, you know, the one who figures out how it works. But right. what it broke down to me was who actually has the harder part of the job? Phineas has the job of going, yeah, I know what we're going to do today. We're going to blow something up now. Right. We're going to teach this yak how to roller skate. And at that point, it's Ferb's job to craft roller skates big enough for a yak and then figure out how it all works. When they became Mm -hmm. the superhero, the beak. Yep. It was all about Ferb 
the technical side of things and Phineas being, you know, the face of it. It's kind of that Iron Man, Captain America thing going along. So for me, I went with Ferb simply because you said, who is the real genius? Yep. Ferb is the one who has the harder job. Ferb actually has to say, let's make Fruit Loops fly out of somebody's butt. Yep. Yeah, that's I, I right there with you, Matthew. You and I agree because anybody can come up with an idea. Hey, Rodrigo, I know mm-hmm. what we're going to do today. We're going to project the internet right into our eyeballs. Get to it. <laughs> See? Now, how genius is that? Yes, Steve Jobs came up with the idea, but Steve Jobs is not the genius behind Apple. It's all the people that are working behind him and with him and beside him. Mm-hmm. So for that reason, Ferb... We may have lost like a third of our audience just now. Yeah, come on. I'm, a, I'm as big a fan as Apple as you're ever going to find. Yeah. But Ferb Fletcher, to me, is the real genius behind Phineas and Ferb. Yep. Commenters. Commenters <laughs> threw out some comments for I voted for Ferb. He may, may not say much, but he always knows how to build every crazy thing that uh, they come up with. Uh, I'm going with Ferb. Phine- Phineas is the main idea guy. Ferb makes it happen. He's always the one in the background. Um, let's see. Despite the high amount of praise given by Steven on most podcasts released on Days Ending and Why, I still have no idea who these guys are, so I'll go with the guy with the triangle head, which is Phineas Flynn, who really is the charismatic when, person of the uh, group. Yeah. Um, when I have richness, I'm going to hire somebody to monitor the internet. <laughs> and this person's job is to find any post anywhere in the world on the internet that says, I have no idea who X is, and delete it. No, I think uh, I think you should better. With porn. I think you should re- better uh, <laughs> make use of your funds by sending that person to the uh, commenter's house and giving them a two-hour lecture <laughs> on <laughs> what they know me. nothing about. Are you Magnolia Fan Nineteen? <laughs> 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 uh, let's see. Most people in the comment section are saying Ferb. How does the rest of the major spoilers nation vote, Matthew? 155 votes is what I'm seeing right now. A whopping 77% of those, which would be, let's see, about 95 votes, maybe? I don't know. Math is hard. Um, <laughs> no, about 104 votes, and then you just carry the one. So many people saying Ferb, 77%, 23% saying Phineas. And most of the feedback is that Phineas is the idea guy. Yeah. And that Phineas doesn't have to be the genius. Phineas is just that guy who says, yeah, no, 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 And I think that's because all of us have worked for that one guy who's like, you know what we need? Rocket pants. Yeah, you know what we need? Schleicher, we need a major spoiler staff picks. Guys, go. <laughs> well, and I, I, you know, I'll, I'll, I would like to defend my choice a little bit. In that no, that's fine. There's go ahead. A, there's a. There's a difference between a guy who just comes up with ideas and a guy who comes up with good ideas or awesome ideas. Right. And it takes a certain amount of insight and imagination. You know, if, if, I, would, if I were to say that these guys had engineering degrees, Ferb would have the mechanical engineering mm-hmm. and Phineas would have theoretical or uh, the other, you know. Social engineering. Yeah, social engineering. But, I mean, he uh, together, they I bet they both know physics and mechanics oh and yeah yeah they I, know all the right. science they all they all know all this stuff but uh, i mean you see the episode where they're working on the time machine together mm-hmm. it's not ferb telling him what to do granted most of the time phineas is playing the pt barnum trying to get everybody excited about right. the project while ferb is back there building the giant roller coaster right. that goes around the city so you know on the one hand i can see your your argument there mm-hmm. but still wrong She's a gear-grinding, hard-driving, truck-driving girl. That was a good episode. 
they're all great. I episodes. think it may be that uh, I'm gonna, Ferb, I'm gonna I be... think if Ferb is perceived as smarter because Ferb doesn't say much, Ferb has that silent Bob thing going for him. When he does say something, it has to be like a, a, a burned down pearl of wisdom. Yeah. Because he gets like one line per episode. You can't have platypus without us. That's one of his lines. <laughs> Those nuggets of wisdom right there. No, he really does have the best lines when he does speak. Mm-hmm. And there are times when he tries to speak and Phineas <laughs> just jumps in and cuts him off. And he's got a crush on Vanessa, so you know that that's got to be a, a big plus right there. Mm-hmm. And he's got a head shaped exactly like a blender. Like the letter P. All right, everybody, you can head over to Majorspoilers.com, cast your vote in the poll of the week, or if you want to go back in the archives and vote on any of those, you can certainly do it. Um, and use the comment section. Use the Major Spoilers forums. We're going to take a quick little beboop break so we can save this podcast so we don't lose it. And then we'll come back and we'll talk about the Dark Crystal Creation Myths Volume 1. Stick around. I guess I'm going to have to just stop saying stick around because that beboop is so much shorter for the listeners yeah. than it is for us. I mean, it's microseconds for the listeners. loop. Hello, welcome back. Today we're going to be talking about Jim Henson's The Dark Crystal, Creation Myths Volume 1, an original graphic novel out this week from Archaea Entertainment. A nice little 1995 hardcover that uh, gives us the origin That's story. Weird. That of makes the, it like 20 years old. The origin story of the Dark Crystal universe. How can it be out this week and still be a 1995 hardcover? It is less Would than 100 pages. 2012? It's I've less than 100 pages. 96 <laughs> pages. Uh, he's Matthew, oh, he's not joke, Matthew we again. hardly knew ye. He's not. We're just uh, no selling you this not, week, he's, Matthew. He's, that's yeah, this week. That's what makes it funny. This week. <laughs> Rodrigo? Hello. Tell us about the Dark Crystal. Okay, The Dark Crystal is this totally awesome movie, right, about these little uh, guys called gelflings, and then they're all like, oh, no, the world is dying. And uh, um, the old guys that they hang out with are all like, oh, you got to find The Dark Crystal and replace it or some stuff like that. So they, uh, the main character goes and on and this you, awesome adventure. You forgot about the other one. Right. The other, the other, the other tangent. Oh, yeah. So he, he gets he embarks on this adventure to find the Dark Crystal, which is controlled by the Skeksis. So they're like, <laughs> right? And they're like bird monsters. Um, so then there's like these guys that are on stilts, and they're like, rah, rah, rah. and there's like this little this little guy that's all like, rah, 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 and he has a giant mouth. Um, these are all puppets, <laughs> which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, there's a where, girl. Where does Gobo come in? I remember Gobo. Gobo. Um, they meet Yoda. <laughs> they meet girl yoda um which uh, is actually the, the central the central yeah. character yeah uh, no it, because if you listen to her it's voiced yeah, by yeah. a woman but the puppeteer was frank oz and mm-hmm. then they dubbed a voice over her yeah, yeah, yeah. so oh, that's why ogre talks like yoda because mm-hmm. i don't know if I, yeah, this was after Star Wars. Yeah, after after Empire Strikes Back, for right, sure. Right. And what's fascinating about Dark Crystal is this was a huge departure for Jim Henson's, Henson Studios, mm-hmm. who at the time were just known for the Muppet movie, the Muppet Show. Yep. And so all of a sudden we're taking you to this, this fantastic far-off world with magic and monsters and creatures and just things you'd never seen before. I think Fraggle Rock was going on at the same time, mm-hmm. if I remember right. So Dark Crystal is a total departure as far as movie goes. Right. This book is taking a look at what happened before that. In fact, 
this the title of the book is Creation Myths, right? Mm-hmm. Is it myth or is it reality is what we're kind of asked. But take every major religion and every major belief system on how our world was created. Mm-hmm. Smash it together and give it a good rub. And that's what this book is. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of um, animistic um, stories here. There's a lot of kind of messianic mm-hmm. Ideas as well, yeah. prophecies, um, visitors from the sky, yeah, things yeah. like that. So uh, the book starts out with the creation of Agra or whatever. Well, her the name books is. we actually have a narrator. Oh, right, right, right. Who apparently? Yeah, and I'm not sure what that's about. Right. Um, we've. Uh, I'll, I've got a hint, or I've got a clue. Maybe. Yeah. The, the narrator is giving us this story for services rendered, so we don't know who the narrator is speaking with. Mm. Um, but then or his, or or who he is, or she is. Um, so, you know, he kind of launches into like the very first, like the the very first story of the Dark Crystal Universe, which is how the planet of. Um, what is it? Rarn. Thra came to Thra. came to be. And you know where Agra came from? I didn't realize she was related to Swamp Thing. Yeah. It's it's kind of that. Yeah. The way that it's done she is Agra is basically built the the planet was going along great, and then all of a sudden it just created her out of everything. Mm-hmm. And she is undying. Mm-hmm. She's an eternal, uh immortal. She is in touch with everything of the world and ugly, ugly is, is, is all heck. Give us a religious equivalent. Is she Adam? Is she? No, no. Is I she, think, I think the, the Gelflings are humans in this world. Right. So right. she is uh, Gaia <clears throat> to a certain degree. Okay. Except no, I'll go with that. Um, you know, your mother earth type. Right, right, really. right. No, yeah. She's really earthy. Cause um, she's she literally is, from the earth. She she's is kind golem. of she's she's the first Prometheus of this mm-hmm. kind of thing, you know. She's there the first go. one that comes down and teaches the the Gelflings how to not be little feral cre- creatures, right. you know. Gives them their first taste of society. She's, you know, uh, in a lot of creation myths, it's about the gods of the gods end up defeating something, mm-hmm. and then. The gods that people have are the gods of society, and and Agra is that first social god mm-hmm. that teaches them to talk and to sing and to hunt yeah. and to farm. She teaches them about death, mm-hmm. you know, which is pretty yeah, pretty interesting. Go ahead, Matthew. The, yeah, the, the, there's a little bit of the Golem of Prague in there too, and that may not be something you know that was intentional, but basically it's kind of a, a mud creature that's to do. Des- that's there to defend these people. Now, having seen the movie, we know it doesn't necessarily work. Right. Mm-hmm. She doesn't get to define all the or defend all the Gelflings successfully. But I think that her role is kind of as on a, the the teacher protector, that central figure, who's you know not necessarily in charge, but you know the wise person who steps in when when the Gelflings need right. to be mm-hmm. defended from external stuff and, or and things like they the don't idea necessarily of, need of to Gaia. know. I, I like that and, idea and, of Gaia. And, and a character who teaches them to help themselves. Right. And actually, mm-hmm. from that point, and this is the first chapter, 
the Gelflings build a huge civilization. Mm-hmm. They go out and explore, mm-hmm. and they have different tribes, and and it becomes very interesting. And and the in, for Agra, she becomes super obsessed with being in touch with everything. The crystal mm-hmm. is there. It has a song. There's a prophecy, and she just becomes so wrapped up in the whole universe that she kind of forgets mm-hmm. things. And in chapter two, we find out that she has a son. Yep. Uh, and what's his, what's that little booger's mm-hmm. name? Ronip. 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 And in uh, mythology, he would be a, a Loki character. He is a yeah. trickster character, is what yeah. he is. And he. But the weird thing to me was, I thought the movie was pretty explicit that Agra was not necessarily all female. I mean, there was kind of a, well, an underlying but, expectation that she was both male and female. Yeah, well, that wouldn't necessarily prevent her from having a son, especially... True. Um, because in, in, in true mythological fashion, they completely blow over how that happened. You well, know, and that's like, interesting and because some, at, yeah, at there one is point a mention later of, of his father, father. And he's like, father? And, and that's the thing. That's what I was... At first, because you don't hear the mention of the father until much later, I was like, oh, well, one day... Ogra was like, I would like to be pregnant. Yeah, and yeah, she yeah. was pregnant. Or one day she woke up and I was like, I am pregnant. Right, right. And so there is that divine right. something gave her the child. Right. And what's creepy about Ronup is he's always a child. It's almost like he was formed as an eight-year-old and mm-hmm. always stays as an eight-year-old for eons. Mm-hmm. Because we see in this mm-hmm. chapter how Ronup goes from an impressionable child to meeting friends when the the Gelflings were still young in their generation, to like four or five generations later when his best friend as a child is now on her deathbed. And he has not changed at all. And I I really kind of, I feel sorry for this character. Mm -hmm. Kind of in the same way that you almost... That's a short sequence, too. I mean, it's only a few pages between the point where Tavra is befriending him and the point where Tavra is dead. Right. And I love the 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 way they use that lifeline as kind of a scale for this mm-hmm. because the tale that they're being that's being told here is a tale that takes you know I'm I'm thinking eons. Well, that's what I was thinking just too. Time immemorial. And then we see this, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, and by the way, that little kid that you saw ten pages ago now she's an old gelfling and she's dying horribly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And right in the middle of that, we see the arrival of the uh, the Urxes, or whatever that they're the, called. Or the Uskek. Uskek. Because Uskek. Agra knows that when the three suns align, something mm-hmm. is going to happen. And sure enough, the suns align, the light strikes the crystal, blows her eye out, yep. and mm-hmm. they arrive. And they are these celestial beings. And again, if you've read Chariots of the Gods or any of these other kind of uh, myths that there are aliens that have come to our planet to help us along. Mm-hmm. That's what these guys represent. These are aliens from another pro- planet who also have a crystal yep. that allows them to pass and through. Yeah, and so from the seventies, I the they 70s build up Apollo and Starbuck, not the new. Yeah, ones. and they build up the the Crystal Palace, not the one in you know Utah, wherever it's at. <laughs> the James Spader movie. Yes. That's entirely different. Uh, but again, they help, they serve as another catalyst to move civilization along. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I then, had actually forgotten the Erskex part in the actual movie. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that should, that'll tell you how long it's been since I sat we down a, and watched it. I think we, that, do, we did a review. I saw it once when I was a kid, right? and I saw it once when we reviewed it. 
Yeah. You know, that was, I had that was actually years zoned. ago, though, I think. And it's like a couple of years ago that we did it, yeah. This is like our fourth year yeah. of this podcast. I've slept since then. <laughs> but, <laughs> excuse me. But In there, the, I mean, the, the arrival of the Erskek is another thing where you're just like, ooh, primordial myth going on. Yeah. The fallen angels walking around all on fire and everything. Well, but see, we don't know that they're fallen angels. We just, uh, from our yeah, point of true. view, again, depending on but if you've again, seen the Dark Crystal or not seen the Dark Crystal you, movie. You talk about uh, Prometheus, mm-hmm. who brings fire to humans despite the wishes of the gods. That's kind of what the Urskek that we see are. Mm-hmm. They are exiles from their own world. They right. are criminals. Right. We don't find that still, out until the right, end of the book. Much but much later. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they are the they are bringing society and transportation and uh, you know communication. Right. They are kind of they are elevating the Gefflings from a tribal society to kind of an urban society. Well, I was going to say, weren't they pretty much Babylonian society by the time the Urskiks arrive? You know, they had villages and they had tribes, but once they arrive, suddenly now they have the Tripoli, Sailing the Egypt, the Rome, right? Exactly, uh, and. I don't know if that is when they introduce music or music comes, but well, we there's get always this... music because everything's based around yeah. the song, right? Oh, right, right. But we get and this Agra's interesting talking about in the earliest appearances, learning the song of things. We get this interesting story about a Gelfling who goes out and adventures because he's trying to find this one song that's stuck in his head, but he can't find it, and he ventures far out into the seas, eats a magical fruit that sends him on an LSD trip. And then he discovers that the song he's looking for is actually coming from one of the Erskeks. And he hears the Erskeks singing. And then he says, after that, I knew I could never sing again. Or the song was so beautiful or something that he just it's, knew he could sad. never. It's a, it's it's a, a sad song, song. Of, yeah. of longing. And that's the first we see that there's something missing from the Erskeks. There's something else there. And we find out. And this is where... Um, Rumpelstiltskin. Ronip. Ronip comes back into play. <laughs> Terrible with names. Uh, Ronip comes back into play because um, Agra goes off to meditate and be one with the universe, uh, be one with the planet again. And he listens mm-hmm. in on the Urskeks having a conversation, and, and it's the song that the little sailor Gelfling heard was them trying to communicate with their home planet and saying, when are you going to let us come back? And they're like, we have no communication with them. We haven't in a long time. They've abandoned us. We're just going to have to stay here. And that's... Uh, when the when the sun comes forward and is like, I've got the magic eye, I've got the magic of sight, and I can see inside your head that you guys are really evil. Or there's a dark part of right. these guys, and he yeah. he's actually peered into the great crystal itself and sees that it too has a dark a part and a light yeah. part of it too. And and there's an interesting sub argument in that where the the Urskeks are all like, we seek only to serve and perfect your people. And Ronit makes what I what I believe to be a particularly you know understandable argument is we don't need your perfecting right. My people do not need my planet does not need you to come in and fix it. Is this you know that's kind of a weird statement too to see in mythological context. Well, but it's also somewhat true. I mean, here's Ronip and his mother who were until the Urskeks came basically the gods, mm-hmm. right? And then these new gods have come mm-hmm. in, and he is. Feeling left out, rejected. He can't age. He is, all of his friends are gone. And what is he going to do? He wants these news guys out, and the best way he's going to do it is get all the Gelflings to rise up. Mm-hmm. Let's Demagoguery. Yeah, yeah. 
And he, I don't think he does. I don't think he's doing it on purpose to harm the Gelflings. I mean, this is him no, standing not. up for his beliefs. He's... But you know, when you look at him as the trickster character, no, you I, have I, to I... think about what his ulterior motive is. And he's seen something inside he the crystal. Thinks. I think he thinks that he's doing the right oh, thing. Absolutely. But he's he certainly thinks doing right. it for selfish right reasons. Right. Yes, you're absolutely right. So I don't know if I would necessarily call him a trickster character, but he's definitely, you know, the wild card in all of this. He's the one character whose whose motivations are questionable. A right. little he alien is, for lack of a better word. Well, the thing about Ronip is that he is old and powerful enough to know that things are going on, but he's not wise enough to mm-hmm. make the right decision around it. Mm-hmm. I think is is one way right. to look at it. So the same mm-hmm. things that all he sees the same things, and he sees a little bit more than what Augur sees. Um, he sees certain things, but that's partially because Augur is not looking for that darkness. She's right. just looking at all the positives. Mm-hmm. He is specifically right. going in and looking at what's negative about this, and he finds it. Yeah, and even yeah. though it's concealed and, and nothing's happening right now, he's like, no, 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 look, they're under the surface. There's something bad. Right. And Agra says, no, these, you know, she wants to believe in the good of all things. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, maybe you losing your eyes, you know, I can see what's going on. And he says, I'm going to show you and you're going to be sorry. Right. Dun, dun, dun. See, but, and well, and that's the thing, knowing what we know as the omnipotent, uh, well, not so much reader, but, right. you know, as the person who's seen what comes next, there, there is like classic tragedy written all over this because. Oh, yeah. This is a new character, Ronip. Yeah. Well, new in that this this takes place what a, a thousand for a million you million know, this takes years. place at some point a billion years before the events of the Dark Crystal, right? At which point Jen Jen believes that he is the last of the Gelflings. Mm-hmm. So we know that something happens to Ronip, and we know that it's probably going to be awful. And you know, it, if I if I read this story right, and if I remember the story right, it's probably going to be awful in a very you know classical poetic sense where he's ripped apart. But then there's also the fact that they make a big point of there being 18 Urskixes. Right. And at the end of the movie, there were only like a dozen. So I'm thinking... Well, there was a scene in the Dark Crystal. There was a scene in the Dark Crystal where the Skeksis died and the Olam died and the Mystic dies at the same time and they disappear. So we know that they can die. And I'm wondering if, you know, the, the lesser numbers is part of this whole upcoming tragedy. This is part one of three. Is that right? Uh, one or two, I don't re- uh, two or three, I don't remember what it is. But my goodness, I don't remember if this was. Yeah. If this is an original graphic novel, so this is the first time yes. that we've seen this. This hasn't been printed in individual issues. Mm-hmm. But holy crap, I, this oh. was a perfect cliffhanger moment in this story because again, now we have the beginning and the end. It's the middle adventure where things become really interesting, and I want to read this mm-hmm. second volume. Mm-hmm. I didn't think this was going to be that interesting, and. You know, I think everybody kind of knows my views on, you know, an organized religion, but this kind of takes the best from all of the religions. So Mm -hmm. this was a little bit better for me in in terms of looking at it from that spiritual aspect. Uh, But this was a really good story. And even in between the prose portions uh, where you learn about how do the girl Gelflings get their wings and, you know, where Mm -hmm. did the song come from and how did the world become created? Those are all wonderful passages. Tales of Gelfling heroes. Yeah, yeah. Those are all wonderful passages in this. And then just this, as Matthew said, this ominous foreboding moment of Mm -hmm. we know what's going to happen, but we're not going to tell you right now. (laughs) 
Yeah, we know where this ends up. And I, I honestly, when you said, hey, let's do this, I'm like, oh, God, the guys are going to be talking about their freaking Muppets again. But, you know, not necessarily in that horrible a way because I enjoyed the movie as well. Mm. But getting into this, it was completely unexpected. I mean, when they say myth on the cover, they're talking for flat-out creation myth. This isn't like 50 pages of, and then Tom Bombadil danced around while they walked and walked and walked. This is actual creation myth, and it's told to us, to someone, by this narrator who's telling it like a campfire story, like an actual oral tradition carried down and handed down, down, down. So there are bits where you're just like, and then Agra had a son, and you're like, wait, when did, oh, no, that's a story we haven't told you. We'll get to that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, eventually I'll tell you how you met your mother. But I love the progression of this and the fact that we're covering all this time and we're like, and then this happened. And then on the seventh day, Agra went, wow, that sure was awesome. But I think I lost an eye. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. I mean, I, I love mythology. In general, I think that the the ancient stories of how people got to this world and how people learned to cook and to not mm-hmm. uh, kill each other or why they shouldn't kill each other or how the first person ever to die died. I, I find all that mm-hmm. stuff really fascinating. And I love it when a writer can take the themes of those things and spin a new story that feels like an ancient legend Mm -hmm. because it's difficult to do. It's difficult to, you know, there are so many people out there right now trying to take ancient legends and modernizing them. Well, we've seen that in the, what was that recent one? The Immortals. Immortals, yeah. Um, it's, It's significantly harder to take modern sensibilities and legendize them which is what this does Mm -hmm. what's great about this and let's let's talk about the art really really quickly is brian froud i believe is how you pronounce his name was the illustrator (laughs) was the illustrator who did the original dark crystal concept work and developed all the characters they got him to come on board for this book, mm-hmm. which I think is great because mm-hmm. then oh, yeah. all it's... the designs, all the world things are all built right out of his work and not somebody else interpreting what he's done. Right. Right. You know, and I think that that is, that is just wonderful. And I enjoyed the art. I think um, what makes the style unique is it's both alien and familiar at the same time. Mm-hmm. Where on the one hand, you mm-hmm. look at Agra and you're like, Bleh! Or you're looking at her son and like, whoa, that kid's creepy. There's something wrong with that boy kind of right. stuff. But on the other hand, there's frailty and there's there's life. Mm-hmm. There's something mm-hmm. human behind all the characters and, that we see. And in Legend, the, the, what it accomplishes really well, especially with you know the, the, the way that Agra and Ronip look, is that in Legends... Ancient legends weren't always clean. They right. weren't always pretty. They mm-hmm. weren't always, you know, nice, you know, black mm-hmm. and white kind of stuff. I mean, they're both hideous. They're right. both weird. Agra is, is you know, female, mm-hmm. but she's got, like, weird whiskers and stuff like that. She, right, You right. know, uh, mm-hmm. there's no... There's nothing that says, oh, this is clearly how you should feel about this character about, by the way they look. Mm-hmm. Um, it's clear mm-hmm. that it, it, it like creates another layer of 
these ancient myths are like this because that's the sensibility in Thra, mm-hmm. not on Earth. Yeah, you and, are yeah. peering into an al- the mythology of an alien world. Yeah, and I just, I just the art just blew me away. Even uh, the the volume yeah. even includes the free comic book day. Mm-hmm. edition which was kind of like a trailer to yeah the story yeah it was and, basically coming attractions for this and that art was even is is great as well yeah throughout this the thing that i really was amazed by is we occasionally talk about the you know the computer overcoloring right or the use of like a like a color uh, hold as a background or doing like hey let's just do this uh, digital effect the last two uh, reviews I did for the site, when I did the you know the thing, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to put a page up. It was really easy to do because the background was nothing more than you know a color hold. It was just a little gradient effect mm. that they did in the background. That doesn't happen here. The backgrounds are fully drawn, and even when it's drawn in kind of a softer palette and a softer edge, you know what's going on, and it's very clear that this is based in that same reality. Random bugs will show up, and the random bugs, you're like, oh, I could see that in the movie. Or even I have seen that in the movie in some mm-hmm. cases. And the the little guy, when the Gelfling is playing his little flutey thing, you know, you can tell. Yeah, yeah you can hear that. That little, this is something. Ooh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everything that, that is on this page, some of it is horrifying. Mm-hmm. Some of it is absolutely disgusting. Even Agra is off-putting. But it's horrifying in a really beautiful and awesome, you know, in the in the classical sense of the word, kind of way. And when he reaches up and he grabs the the fruit in the uh, the uh, second passage, I'm just like, yeah. oh, don't do it! Yeah, yeah, don't yeah. eat the fruit! Yeah, 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 yeah. Didn't you read Swamp Thing thirty <laughs> four? Uh, this is from Arcade Entertainment. It is the first of three graphic novels, so I'm going to guess these aren't going to be coming out monthly, but probably quarterly over the next year. I want to. I want to read the other two two volumes when they come out. Absolutely. I think we should talk That's about them on the show. Um, we have a show. We do. Can I be on the show? No. Bottom line for <laughs> me is I love this book. I didn't think I was going to like it at all. I don't have. I, I really like the Dark Crystal, but I don't have. I don't have an undying love for it the way that people have love for, like, Rodrigo's love for the Dark Crystal or the way people go gaga over Labyrinth. Right. Um, But this was a good read. Good story, good creation myth, great art. 1995 for a 96-page book, that's not too bad. Hardcover? Mm -hmm. I say pick it up. Oh, absolutely. Uh, For me, you know, this... I was not expecting something great. I was actually a little bit leery of somebody messing with a property that I like Mm -hmm. as much as I like the Dark Crystal. Um, But this book was basically perfect. It not only was respectful and thoughtful about a work that I really enjoy, but actually managed to expand it and do it properly and do it well. Um, This is a read on its own. Even if you haven't seen The Dark Crystal, you can read this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And... the you know it won't spoil the ending as much you know it's like if you've already seen the dark crystal then you know what's going to happen and now you're like ooh i want to see how it happens right if you haven't seen the dark crystal then you don't know what's going to happen so you've got something coming and according to the wiki the legends of the dark crystal takes place between this is not this book but the legends of the dark crystal put out by tokyo pop takes place between 
the uh, splitting of the Erxes and the Gelfling extermination. So even this predates that as far as a right. continuity of story Absolutely. goes. Matthew, thoughts on this? I would say if you're a fan of the movie, it's a must-have. If you're a fan of anthology like Rodrigo, it's definitely something you should seek out. Um, if you're just a schmuck like me and you like comic books and you like you know, a well-done story and you like a well-done picture, uh, it, this is something you definitely want to look into. I think that it could be off-putting to people who expect, you know, big, quick kind of woohoo. Yeah, but it's, it's not it's, a... It's a deeper story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's definitely a story. It's it's worth getting in depth with. It's a story that it's worth... Because I went in going, oh, God, I'm going to spend another two hours. You know, not necessarily to that snotty level. Because, mm. again, you know, we don't really hate each other. Yeah. I'm going to talk to Rodrigo nice and Steven. Uh, these guys. <laughs> but so, uh, I really liked it. I found myself really drawn into Agra. I would say it's definitely a read. Good. If you're a fan of the movie or a mythology fan, it's definitely a must-have. So who's the narrator, do you think? Who's the mysterious cloaked person? Hazard a guess, Rodrigo? It's probably. Uh, yeah, my guess is it's going to be Jin, who's the, the, the protagonist. That's who I was going to say, yeah. Jin. Yeah. yeah. I was, was going to say Kira. It could oh, be, the girl? Yeah, it yeah, could, it could be. be Kira. Well, who's the one that ended up with uh, uh, Agra's little uh, oh. pet furball? That runs around. I think Kira like, had the, the furball. Okay, then it's it's, it's either Kira or Jin. Yeah, you're right because the furball is there. So. Yeah, yeah. It's either Kira or Jin. Yeah. So and it takes place the, the generations love her, after, right? Generations after uh, the end of the Dark Crystal. So it'll be a great tie back to that. Good, good, good. All right, everybody. That and wraps plus, it up for this, this week's show. Thing. Oh, Kira sure, was ahead. brought back to life. Mm -hmm. Kira was brought back to life at the end of the movie, which I think could have made her immortal like Captain Jack Sparrow mm. or Captain Jack Harkness. <laughs> same guy. They're the same guy. Which, yeah. you know, at that point, that's why I thought it was Kira was because, you know, the ur brought her back from the dead. Yeah. There you go. And forgot to have her ever go be dead again. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in this week and being part of the Major Spoilers experience. Be sure to head over to Majorspoilers.com, throw in your comments and thoughts about this week's show. And next week... Something we rarely do. Well, it's not really manga. We're not Us gonna fight and talk over each other. <laughs> well, shut up, you. Usagi Ojimbo <laughs> Circles is the book, book six in that series. Why? Because we know that you love comics and we do too, and we will talk with you soon. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers Forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash majorspoilers and on MySpace at myspace.com slash majorspoilers. Fat Dick's revision of Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, they kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya.
I made you spoiler What I made you spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah What I made you spoiler What I made you spoiler If I'm star raving rich like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline Would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Shot up in a fine be in the Middle East with a King Santo and soldier. What a major spoiler! What a major spoiler! Yeah, yeah, yeah! What a major spoiler! Wow, 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 wow! What a major spoiler! Major spoilers is copyright 2012. My Paul Harvey turned into a John Wayne. Yeah, you're you're you are neither Paul <laughs> Harvey nor the new uh, Andy Rooney. So give it up. I am the new Andy Rooney. <laughs> no, because don't this is you Andy hate Rooney. It when you're no. taking a leak and your fork stream. <laughs> <laughs> no, because you missed a perfect opportunity on the pants thing. Let's take a moment to say goodbye to all the pants that we lost in 2012. <laughs> and then you said something about khakis were going to miss you. And then you should have followed yes. it up with corduroy, blue jeans, slacks. Those one kind of funny pants that have the flare at the bottom. I'm not trying to kill the joke. I'm just Pajama trying to jeans. That's what Andy Rooney would do. <laughs> he would have a whole like minute and a half of nothing but just saying th- names of things. Pajama jeans. My- my favorite Andy Rooney is uh, Beavis doing an impersonation of Andy Rooney while paraphrasing George Carlin. <laughs> you ever, do you remember that? <laughs> Have you ever noticed that you don't take a crap? You leave one. <laughs> it, w- yeah, it was yeah. quite possibly the crowning moment of funny for Beavis and Butthead right there. Uh, okay. And that's on. saying something because Beavis and Butthead was fucking funny. <laughs> remember the one where they yeah, forgot yeah. how to pee? Yeah. That was a good one. <laughs> Keep uh, for my bone calls. Shut up, Steven. <laughs> the old hole. Hey, hey, you talking to me? Are you talking to me? <laughs> I am Coralio. <laughs> it's time to start the podcast. I should leave that in as well. And the sad part is that's 80% of our input right there. <laughs> that's how this show goes. That's why it's popular. You people are listening like to how Steven the sausage is made. <laughs> And Stuart, don't forget Stuart over there in the corner in his hey, winger T-shirt going, hey, hey cool, guys. <laughs> Stuart, your mom sucks. My balls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's always fun when we can both team up and victimize Rodrigo, isn't it? <laughs> I've, I've told you, it's pretty, it's pretty clear that uh, Stephen is Beavis, Matthew's butthead, and I'm Daria. <laughs> I'm serious, this is all and going you, in the show. <laughs> it totally should, because that's funny. Oh, and, and the best part is, when Rodrigo gets his own spinoff, he's going to have to get a new best friend. <laughs> yeah, Maybe Rob can play him. <laughs> Rob can be Jane. <laughs> all right, let's go. Let's, let's, let's go. <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, I'm going to use my cough switch at off tonight. Good. <laughs> uh, one. You have to actually turn the cough switch on <laughs> before you cough. Oh, I thought it was a switch that I push when I need to cough. 
I just push it and then I start coughing. It's, it's funny because it's true. <laughs> 